Pastor Chris's podcast. So uh, we are in the midst of a series of messages called Ask Pastor Chris, where you have a chance to ask questions. And my hope for the series has been that was been to to answer your questions that you might have about God or Christianity or spirituality or religion or faith. Um, but so far, I've only received one question, one question over the last month that we've been asking, and we already answered that question a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago when I preached last. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I put it in the bulletin, said if you have questions, you can put them in there, but we haven't had anything. Also, I, I was sent an email a couple of times. Um, from the church and we put it on Facebook but we only got the one question so I haven't had any other questions come in so I thought about this and I was talking with God about it over the last few weeks and especially this past week as I've been thinking about what to speak on today Um, and and this is what I felt like God was saying to me he was saying if if you don't have any questions then God's got some questions for you And so that's what today's message is going to be. God's questions for you. Now, you still have a chance. Uh, There's still in the bulletin, in the tear off. You can write down your question, put it up here at the altar or hand it to me. And then next Sunday, I'll try to answer your questions. But today, God's got some questions for you. The first question is going to come from Mark chapter 8 and verse 27 through 29. Mark chapter 8, verse 27 through 29. May God add his blessings to the reading and the hearing of his word. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus actually asked his disciples two questions in this passage. Two questions. Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? Jesus asked you the same questions this morning. Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And these are really critical questions for us to consider. Your answers will influence everything about who you are and what you do in this life and in all eternity. Almost everyone has some opinion about Jesus. In America, you'd have to live under a rock to have never heard about Jesus. So who do people say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus? A prophet? A revolutionary? A gifted religious leader? Or maybe even some people might say that he's just a fictional character that people have made up over the last 2,000 years. Most people in our world today, in our society, even though they have heard about Jesus, maybe they've, they've seen 
television stories about Jesus. They've celebrated Christmas and Easter in some form or fashion. And so they know something about Jesus. But unfortunately, most people, I think, have a pretty inaccurate idea about who Jesus is. Um, They might have seen a picture like this. So when they think of Jesus, this is what comes to their mind. And it's a beautiful picture. I don't know. It was it was painted sometime in the past and it depicted the artist's idea of Jesus, or at least the idea that that he wanted to convey about Jesus. But it really this picture in particular is not really an accurate. I mean, it does show some of the characteristics of Jesus. But I mean, think about it. We, we think of Jesus carrying a, a baby lamb, but. Jesus wasn't a shepherd. He was a carpenter, not a shepherd. So a more accurate depiction would be him holding a hammer. But he talked about sheep and uh, he certainly taught about gentleness and love. And and that picture captures it. And if you look at the face of Jesus in this picture, uh, it's a pretty European looking Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus was a Middle Easterner. So he probably really didn't look like that. But this is just an example of how in our cultures we have a popular image of who Jesus is. And everybody in our world, in our country today has heard of Jesus in some form or fashion. And so they have some idea of who he is. But is what they think of when they think of Jesus, is that really who he is? Unless people read and understand the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, they probably only know about this popular image of Jesus that they have in their mind, that they've picked up from somewhere. But it's an image that is probably woefully inadequate. It really doesn't capture who Jesus is. C.S. Lewis uh, once wrote that Jesus is either a liar a lunatic, or Lord. And what he meant by that is that when you look in the scriptures and you read what Jesus taught, what he told us to do, and most importantly, what he said about himself, you have to move beyond some of the popular notions that people have about Jesus in our world. People will say, well, he was a, he was a great revolutionary, or he was a prophet, or he was a very gifted religious leader. But what did Jesus say about himself? He said that he was the son of God. He said he was the Lord. He said that he was uh, the Messiah that was going to save the world. He said that he was going to be crucified on a cross, buried in a grave, and rise from the dead on the third day, thus allowing people the uh, opportunity through faith to receive eternal life. Now, when he said that, was he lying? Or was he a lunatic? Did he really believe what he was saying, but he was so deluded he didn't know any better? Or was he telling the truth? He is indeed the Lord, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. You can't have, you can only be one. You can't be Lord and also be a liar. Can't be Lord and also be a lunatic. What do people say about Jesus? 
But what Jesus really cares about is not what other people say about him. What he really wants to know is, who do you say that he is? That's what really matters to him. You can't control what other people think and do and say, but you can make up your own mind. And you must decide about Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? I'm not asking you know, what your opinion is. I'm asking what you really believe. Who is Jesus to you? Jesus is who he is. We don't define who he is. But who do you believe he is? I'll tell you who Jesus is to me. Jesus to me is Lord. Jesus to me is the Son of God, the Messiah, my Savior. But who is he to you? And the second question that Jesus asked you today comes from Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 40. It's related to the other question in a way. Mark 4, 35 through 40. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although their boat, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he, rebu he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was great calm. And then Jesus asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you, have, do you still have no faith? Again, Jesus asked two questions. But this time, the two questions are really the same thing, asked in two different ways. He asked, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, maybe we should cut the disciples a little slack in this story. We have the benefit of looking back on the story, already knowing a lot more about Jesus than the disciples have figured out by the fourth chapter of Mark. By the fourth chapter of Mark, they're still just getting to know Jesus. We've already heard the end of the story. We know how it all turns out. We know that he dies on the cross, that he rises from the grave. We've heard all of these things. We've heard of the miracles he did, of healing the sick, bringing sight to the blind and helping the deaf to hear again. He even raised a dead man, Lazarus, from the grave. And of course, he himself died on the cross and rose from the grave. So we know all of this about Jesus. The disciples had not yet experienced that. And also understand this, if you have been a Christian now for more than three years, for more than three years, you've been walking with Jesus a lot longer than the disciples had by the fourth chapter of Mark. Jesus was only on the earth with his disciples for how many years? Three years. If you've been a Christian for longer than that, you're already, you've already had more experience than the disciples did. And that's why Jesus wants to ask you the same questions today. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
been walking with me all this time. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Storms come in all of our lives. Not necessarily a windstorm, a rainstorm, although it can be that too, but storms come in all of our lives in many different ways. We face health problems that plague us, and we, we don't know why they're there. We don't always even know what is plaguing us. We just know that we don't feel good. We have some kind of trouble with our health, and we're trying to figure it out, and we're worrying about it. Sometimes the storms come in the, the, the form of a financial problem. We don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Or we lose our job. And we are really struggling because we, were, we had a way to make a living and now we don't know what we're going to do. And sometimes maybe we've even lost our identity along with losing our job. Or maybe a storm is that you've lost someone in your life. They've died. Someone that you truly loved cared for and it's a terrible thing it brings terrible pain and questions and fear and and all kinds of trouble it's a storm swirling all around you sometimes our fears are brought on by these things but sometimes our fears aren't even linked to an actual event that has happened more often than not we find that our fears are our worries about things that haven't happened yet. Things that might never even happen. But we're worried that they might happen. We're afraid that they might happen. What if my son or my daughter gets hurt? What if I get sick? What if I never find someone to marry? What if I do find someone to marry and it doesn't work out? What if I lose my job and I can't pay my bills? And we worry about these things. And sometimes the fear becomes bigger. And, and, and it's something that hasn't even happened yet. We worry because of sin. Learned some interesting things in our Thursday morning Bible study recently. Worry, we worry because of sin. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19. Um, You've heard these words before. I certainly have, but I learned something new about them. It says in Genesis 3, 19, by the, Jesus, uh, not Jesus, God is telling Adam, because you have sinned, here is the curse. And here's what he says. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you are made from the dust and to the dust you shall return. You've heard that before. If you've been in church read Bible much, you've heard that. By the sweat of your brow, you will have the food you eat. And I always thought of that, and I thought about how you have to, he'd have to work really hard to make food grow from the ground. In the Garden of Eden, he lived in a garden, and it just was so easy. Always had the food that they need. They tended the soil, but they had the food they eat. Now it's, the soil's going to be so cursed, it's going to be hard to grit that Get that food. And you know what? If, you, if you're a farmer and you actually only have the food that you eat from the soil, think about how much you would worry about it, right? You'd have to work hard to make the soil grow because what if a drought comes up and you won't have the food you need? What if a pestilence comes in and destroys all your crops? You won't have the food that you, you will starve to death. The people you love will starve to death. But I always thought it said the sweat of your brow. I thought, Bill, I thought that meant because you worked so hard. But you know what? 
I'm not, I don't live according to whether I can grow a garden or not. I actually enjoy getting out in the garden and working hard. I enjoy sweating as I work. That's not a curse to me. Sweat from hard work, that's not a curse. That's a joy to me. I imagine for some other people it, it might be too. Something good about getting out there and working hard with your hands. But what I found out is that this phrase, the sweat of your brow, that's a phrase that not only the Hebrews used, but people all throughout the Middle East used that. And you know what? They weren't talking about hard work. They were talking about the sweat that you get when you worry, when you're full of anxiety. Think about Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying because he's saying, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And it said that what he was so praying so hard, what did he do? He was sweating as if drops of blood from his brow. And people throughout the Middle East for thousands of years had this expression about the sweat of your brow. It was about worry and anxiety. You see, God cursed Adam. He said, you're now going to have to earn your living from the ground. And if you know anything about ancient agriculture, you knew that famines, droughts, pestilences, all of these things were a constant worry. And guess what? If your crops failed, you couldn't run down to the food lion and bake up for it. You were just destitute. And so the farmer was always worried that he was going to die of starvation. His family was going to die of starvation. Had some real things to worry about. Worry and anxiety that caused you to sweat and wake up in the middle of the night was a curse caused by Adam's sin in the garden when he disobeyed God. But Jesus came to set us free from the curse. Think about it. That's why the angels who announced Jesus' birth came and they said, what? Do not fear. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Do not fear. You don't have to fear anymore. God's on your side. He is sending the Messiah to save you. And that's why Jesus also could say, do not worry about the thing, these things, saying, what will we eat? And what will we drink? And what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all that you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Matthew chapter 6 verses 31 and 33. See, Jesus is saying, I've come to lift the curse. Adam had to worry and be anxious about how he was going to make it through the next day. And I'm coming to set you free from the curse. I'm coming to tell you that God is your father and God loves you and God's going to take care of you. He's always going to make sure you have everything you need. Maybe not everything you want, but everything you need. I'm going to take, God is going to take care of you. You don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to be afraid. Just a few minutes ago, Jesus asked you the question. Each one of you, he asked, who do you say I am? 
And many of you affirmed with me, Jesus is Lord. He's the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. If Jesus is your Lord, if he is indeed the Son of God, if he is indeed the Messiah, the Savior of the world, then why are you afraid? Why do you still have no faith? If he can calm a storm on the Sea of Galilee, if he can rise from the grave, don't you think you can trust him to take care of you and your problems, whether they're real or just worries? What's been bothering you lately? Is God asking you to do something? Something that seems too hard? Is he asking you to forgive someone? Is he calling you to do something for him? Maybe to serve in some way? Maybe there's some here today that God's calling to be, to lead a church. To be a preacher or a pastor. Or he's, maybe he's asking you Maybe you had this one career or this one plan for your life and, and maybe today you're struggling because God's, you felt God calling you and saying, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to change directions. I want you to do this instead. And you're struggling with that. Are you worrying about something that might happen that probably won't? Are you struggling with anxiety? Are you going through a very real and difficult storm in your life? I want you to set aside your worries and your concerns for just a moment. They'll be there for you to pick up later. But set them aside for a moment and just try to answer Jesus' questions for you this morning. And then pray about what's bothering you. Jesus' questions for you this morning are these. Three things. Who do you say that I am? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 